0: Hello to everyone in the sanctuary, hello to everyone in the fellowship hall, and hello to everyone online. Uh, Last time I was up here, a couple weeks ago, this definitely was a small country church, like five people here. Now we're like a mega church, because there's like ten times that many people here, so thanks. That's awesome. I always think when I preach, everyone goes away, but y'all came back. Thank you. (laughs) I appreciate you for that. Turn with me uh, in your Bibles to John chapter 8. As Pastor Geary mentioned, we are uh, in the middle of a series that's going to be lasting for a little over a year. We started this several months ago. It's um, based on the daily Bible reading schedule we've set up for this year, Um, and we're calling it God's Story, uh, and it's our kind of journey through the Word of God together, Uh, and so I'm going to jump Ahead, you would be reading John 8 this coming week, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, I think. Um, but I want to talk about John 8 tonight because, like any good story, um, there are themes and ideas and things that are um, talked about and explored um, at the beginning of the book and at the end of the book and in the middle of the book. And any good story will have these themes that go through it. And last time I was up here, we looked at Luke 9, and the title of that message was Discipleship According to Jesus. And uh, John 8 is Discipleship According to Jesus, Part 2, where Jesus tells us a little bit more um, than what we learned in Luke 9. So this is going to kind of be a, uh, the second part of that message. But in last time, in Luke 9, um, you'll remember the passage was this. or w- Jesus talked about this idea of denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and following him. And he said that is what it means to be a disciple Jesus, and you know, a disciple is someone who follows the teachings of someone else, and they follow it in such a way that they orient their lives around that teaching. So Jesus said, "If you want to know what it means to to be my disciple, you have to deny yourself." And we um, find my notes. And we talked about how denying ourselves meant that we make Christ's desires our desires. So we don't live for ourselves; we live for what for what Jesus wants. Taking up your cross, and that was, the idea behind that was submitting to a higher authority, submitting your ultimate destiny. That's what it meant in those days when you were taking up your cross, you were going to be executed by Rome, and you had no choice in the matter. And Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, then submit your destiny, um, your final destiny to me. And then Jesus said, follow me. And we talked about how that doesn't mean you just follow Jesus's footsteps geographically, but you've walked the same path he walked. He walked a path of humility. He walked a path of compassion and a path of righteousness and a path of mercy. And so we are to do those same things. So that was part one. And then Jesus kind of goes a little bit deeper here in John chapter 8. Now, if you've never read through the Gospel of John, I recommend reading through it as much as you can. Because of all the Gospels, it is so rich in just Jesus' uh, Jesus's compassion, Jesus' love, Jesus' um, teachings. like Obviously, all the Gospels are about that, but John comes at it in a way that's unlike the other ones. And John chapter 8 is chock full of so many things, and I was trying to think of how we could even look at this chapter. It's 59 verses, and there's so many things going on. And then I realized that Jesus is just giving us more of a picture of how to be his disciple. So, to be a disciple is a lifelong Journey. It's like a marathon. So, if you think of a race and you think of a marathon versus a sprint, being a disciple of Jesus means to uh, run a marathon and not run a sprint. If you've tried to be a Christian at a super fast pace, you realize that you can get burned out very quickly. And if it's a lifelong thing, then we're supposed to be able to be disciples and run that race well. That's what Paul says. So, I was looking at the science of running a marathon. And if you run a marathon, you probably know this, and you could come and and tell us. But within the science of running a marathon, there are some things that you need to do if you're going to run that marathon well and if you're going to finish well. Maybe you're not going to finish first, but if you want to finish well, you have to do certain things. And one of those things is you have to stay hydrated. And there's a science to staying hydrated in a marathon. And over the years, thoughts have changed about how to do that effectively, but... Basically, what it boils down to today at least, what they say is when you're thirsty, drink some water. <laughs> don't drink too much, don't drink too little, but just drink some water when you're thirsty. Because if your body doesn't replenish that's the, the water and the electrolytes, um, then you're going to be spent before the marathon's over and you cannot finish. And I think we need to look at the discipleship, um, our, our discipleship um, in that way. That we're running a marathon and we're not sprinting. So to run that marathon, we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Christ, as Luke pointed out. But then John tells us something that I think is very interesting. Because my question is, okay, that's great. I can do that for a little while. But as the years go on, and the suffering comes, and the hardship comes, and and life uh, gets completely turned upside down, how can I keep running well? Because there are days I wake up when I certainly do not want to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow Jesus. I'd rather just live for me. So we need to look at, uh, at, at, at John 8 and what we're going to talk about in John 8 as the fuel um, that our discipleship needs to endure the marathon race. And the fuel we need is, number one, we need joy. We need joy in our lives. If you, are not, if you don't find joy in following Christ, uh, then what's the point? If it's just some uh, box you have to check off, you're not gonna be running that race very long. If it's just something you do because your family always did it, you're not gonna be doing it for very long. And Jesus doesn't want disciples who are just checking off boxes and people who are just going through the motions because those aren't people who are really invested in following Christ. So we have to have joy in following Jesus. And how do we get that joy? Now, we're gonna look at John 8, I promise, in just a second here. We get that joy. We sustain that joy. We keep drinking the joy through the race. By abiding in Jesus, so two words we're going to look at today, and, and mark these down or, or circle them or, or whatever: um, joy and abide. Now, the word abide means to dwell or to live. And look at John eight verse thirty-one. We read it a minute ago, uh, but Jesus is answering questions. To all these people, the Pharisees and the people around him, are asking him, and they ask him like like four or five different times in this chapter, "Who are you?" Who are you? Why should we care about what you have to say? Why are you saying these things? Why are you doing these things? Why do you make these statements? Who are you? And Jesus like, like, tries to tell them four or five times, and they still don't get it. But then in verse 31, he says this. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. So there's a people who were, who were around him right now. They're listening, and they believe that he is the Christ. So they are people who are disciples, and they have to run this marathon of discipleship. And what he says to them is this, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I said the word abide means to live or dwell, and what Jesus is saying is here is you need to live in my word. You need to make my word your home. Now, keep your finger in John 8 and go over to John 15. This is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. I'm getting a couple weeks ahead in the Bible reading. If you mark your Bibles or if you're taking notes, um, when we read through John 15 here, mark or write down how many times the word abide comes up. Spoiler alert, it's a lot. Before we look at that, though, look at verse uh, 11 of John 15. This is where the joy, I get the joy part of the joy of abiding. These things I have spoken to you, we're going to go back and look at them, but just listen. This is why Jesus is talking about abiding in him. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is why I'm saying I believe that the fuel to our lifelong faithful discipleship is the joy of abiding in Jesus. And the joy found from living in Jesus dwelling in jesus some of your translations might say remain in instead of the word abide but it means the same thing right so let's go through and look at this because in john 15 this is from john 8 to john 15 now and you're going to see we're going to tie them together In John 15, Jesus gives us three places to make our spiritual home. If you want to be a disciple who runs the marathon well and stays hydrated and doesn't have to stop after the first three miles but can make it all the way to the end with a great time and not feel like you're going to die, which I would feel like after half a mile, if you want to do that, then we have to uh, take seriously these three things. We have to live spiritually in these three places. So John 15, uh, starting in verse 1, this is the first place. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So Jesus is saying, I'm talking to my disciples now. He He talks to huge crowds of people all the time. But right now, he's saying, I'm talking to my disciples, so listen up if you want to run this marathon of discipleship. Listen to what I have to say. And then he compares uh, his disciples and himself to a vine and a branch. And that's important because if you know how vines grow branches and how branches work on a vine, then it's going to be real easy to see the picture here. Verse 4. This is the first place we have to abide in order to get the joy we need to fuel our discipleship. In verse 4, he says this, Abide in me. The first place we have to live, the first place we have to call home in our spiritual lives, is Jesus himself. If you're not rooted and found in Jesus, you cannot possibly run this marathon of discipleship. You're going to fall out of the way quickly. Abide in me and I in you. Notice that, that when we abide in Christ He abides in us. He doesn't just say, okay, um, follow me, and we'll hope you get there. He says, follow me, and I'll make sure you get there. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What he's saying at the very basic level of being a Christian is if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ and you're not found in him, you couldn't possibly be strong enough to bear his fruit. You couldn't possibly be fit enough to run his marathon. So you have to be found in him. We have to be found in him to grow stronger from verse 4 and in 5 to grow more fruit. Listen to this. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me, when you're found in Jesus, when you live in Jesus, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You can't run the race without Jesus' help to help you run the race, but you can't access Jesus' help to run the race unless you believe in Jesus. So in order to be a disciple that runs the marathon well, you have to be found in Christ. And running the marathon well means a couple of different things. We always think of those big hallmark moments in our lives when we choose to stand for Jesus, right? And those are very important. But it's also the everyday decisions we make. The decisions you might have been faced with this morning to get up, to come here uh, however you, wh- wherever you work to honor Christ in your work, to honor Christ when you go to school, to honor Jesus when you go to the store, to honor Jesus when you're driving your car and that guy cuts you off. These little things, if, if we are abiding in Christ, we can do these things well and we can run the marathon well. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. You want to be a branch that honors Christ, so you want to be a strong branch, and you want to be a branch that people can see the fruit of Christ coming from. So that's the first place, abide in Jesus. Live in Jesus, that's the first place to make your spiritual home, to fuel your joy to run this marathon. The second thing is to abide in his word. Uh, Flip back over to eight real quick. I just wanna reread that verse. We kinda already talked about it. But chapter eight of John. Verse 31, I'll just read it again, says this, Jesus said to those who believed in him, if you abide in my word, if you live in my word, if you make your home in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And then this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. In our day and age and in the early church's day and age, I think we live in a very similar culture that they lived in, where everybody is saying they have the truth, where every other religion says it's the right one. Where you can pick and choose what you want, and that's okay. Whatever makes you feel good is good enough. And Jesus is saying, No, 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 it's a little different if you're my disciple. If you want to know actual truth, if you want to be able to live your life true, speak the truth, think the truth, show the truth in love, all that stuff, if you want to do that, you have to live in his word. Go back to John 15, and he's going to echo that again, because it's a good story, and it, it always tells, it says the same thing no matter what you're reading. In John chapter 15 in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, the truth of my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And by this my, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Abiding in Jesus' words from John 8 means we know the freeing truth of the gospel. And in John 15, Jesus says, If you know his truth, anything you ask Your desires will be met. Now, here's what that doesn't mean. If I want a Porsche and I'm a Christian and I do the right things, God's going to give me a Porsche or whatever you want. I don't know cars. Sounds like a good one. If I want a a bigger house, then God's going to give me a bigger house. If I want more money, then God's going to give me money if I'm going to church and doing the right things and being a good disciple. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. He may very well bless you with those things. But what he's saying is the more you are invested in God's word, the more it permeates your life, the more you are like a sponge soaking it up, the more your mind and desires are going to change from what you want to what God wants. And I promise you, God always makes happen what he wants. That was a really bad way to say that. But whatever God desires, he makes sure that happens. And if you and I, if our desires are turned towards God like that, then it's absolutely true that whatever we desire will happen because we have the mind of God within us. We have the heart and the desire of God within us and that will always come true and that's only possible if you are living, abiding in the word of God. The third thing Jesus wants to tell us, uh, the third place to abide um, in order to fuel our discipleship through joy is to abide in his love and this is kind of the end of our section here but Look at verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus is describing something here in a small sentence that is, we cannot comprehend exactly what this means. What he's saying is he's giving us a picture into uh, what the love between the Father and the Son, Jesus and God the Father, look like. And it's something that I really can't explain. I can sort of try and help you understand how, it's, how it looks out here with us, but the love between them is so immense and so perfect. And Jesus is saying that's the kind of love that you need to live in. When you abide in my love, you can experience the love that the Father has for the Son, that God has for Jesus, and Jesus has for God. It's something we can experience when we learn to love like Christ loved. And then in verse 10 he says this, if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now this one's really important because there's days you wake up, well there's days I wake up, there's days we probably wake up and say man I just don't want to love today. I don't want to love the way I should. Or situations hit us and we think my natural reaction is not to show Christ's love what Jesus is talking about here when He says, "Abide in My love and keep My commandments," is He saying we need to learn how to participate in the relationship that God and the and the Son have, God the Father and God the Son have together. Meaning this, Jesus loved God so much that even when He was in the Garden of Gethsemane and He was praying so hard He was uh, sweating blood that he would not maybe have to go to the cross if there was any other way. When God said there is no other way, Jesus stood up and said, then I'm gonna do that. When you're faced with that kind of a situation, do you naturally think I'm gonna honor God and do what Jesus wants me to do every time in that situation? I'm gonna tell you I don't do that. But Jesus is saying, learn how to do that. If you learn how to do that, if you understand that if you love Jesus, you'll do whatever He says, no matter what, and that He will honor you for that, if you learn how to do that, then your joy will be full and you'll be able to continue to run this marathon of discipleship. So, just to end, we can't hope to finish this lifelong discipleship journey without denying ourselves taking up our cross, and following Jesus daily. We can't do it without doing those things, and we can't do those three things well and consistently and constantly without finding joy in following Jesus. I thought I might define joy earlier, but I don't know if I have to, but I just will say this. It doesn't mean it to be happy about everything that happens to you. It doesn't mean you have to say, thanks, I'm so glad that this is hard. But finding joy in the circumstances that are tough means even though it's tough and it's terrible and I cannot wait to be out of this, I know God will see me through. That's joy in all situations. And we can have joy to fuel our marathon of discipleship by abiding in Christ, abiding in him, living in him, living in his word, and living and doing his love. I want to end with this one passage. You don't have to turn there, but John 4. John 4. Says this. So I said before that the science of running a marathon, you have to understand the science of hydration, and you have to replenish the water and electrolytes in your life, if you, in your body, if you want to, um, if you want to run the race, race and finish well. And Jesus says this in John four. Uh, this is the woman at the well. Jesus answered and said to her, "Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again." But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I mean, Jesus is saying, I'm the water for the marathon. You want to run it well? You want to finish well? Then drink the water I have for you. That's being found in him, that's living in his word, and that's living and doing his love. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning and this opportunity to open your word together. Father, I pray you would show us how to be disciples that can run this race well, Father. And I pray, Lord, that you would refuel the joy in our hearts for serving and honoring you. Father, show us how to be disciples, Show us how to be joyful in all situations. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone this morning who needs to be refueled and refueled and encouraged, that they would look to you, Father. They would look to your word and they would look to your love and they would find um, the energy they need to continue to serve you. I thank you, Lord, that you don't ask us to do it alone and you don't leave us to just figure it out, but you promise to run this race with us every step of the way. We couldn't even hope to complete it without that fact. So Father, I thank you and we love you. In your name, amen.
1: I realize that today's invitation probably is better addressed to maybe a relative, a friend, or a neighbor, or someone that you know, uh, because I think we can say it hearty amen that we personally know the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Hearty amen. We know the Lord. Amen. Okay. So you're allowed to be hearty. We're just asking you to be uh, cautious when we uh, sing. But having said that, um, think about this this year. I don't know. We need to share the gospel with as many people as we possibly can, whether it's with our lives, uh, spoken word, or whatever it takes. We do need to share the gospel. Amen. Uh, We do need to do that. So. uh, Our invitation to everyone who will see the message this afternoon, if the invitation is attached to it, is uh, to come to Christ. Come to Christ. Acknowledge your sin and say, Lord, I I need to be saved, and I want you to save me. I know you died to pay the penalty for sin. Let's all stand together, and let's sing together into my heart, into my heart, Lord Jesus. E Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together. Lord, we know that you have given us a heart to want to worship, to fellowship, to see our friends, uh, to spend a, a little time with uh, each other, to uh, just uh, catch up on things, perhaps. And so, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We pray, Lord, that you would guide us and direct us this week, that so we can honor you, that we can be prayerfully uh, concerned about the uh, all that life holds for us and how disruptions can really make a difference and yet lord in all of this that you will bring us through lord we know the day is coming when things aren't going to work at all we know the day is coming when problems will pile upon problems and pile upon problems lord we thank you that this isn't that hasn't been that day but lord we think about that day and we think about the the people that will be here when it does happen. And we ask in your precious name that you would, by your grace, spare uh, spare us from that judgment that's coming. And, uh, Lord, may your word enter the hearts and the minds of people everywhere. Change the way we think that we may respond to the truth of your word. We ask this in Jesus' your name we pray. Amen. And may your grace, mercy, and peace rest and abide with us till we meet again here next week to honor and glorify you. Amen.